Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Enjoyably Futile podcast, the sister show to the University Challenge Claxon Game over on Twitter. Cue the theme tune. Hello, I'm Andrew Keegan and I host the University Challenge Claxon Game over on Twitter every Monday evening when the show is actually on. At the moment we're in between series so I thought I'd use this time to get set up with a podcast and hopefully draw more of you into the randomness that is the Claxon. So, where did it all begin? It was a cold Monday evening in February 2017. I know this because Tuesday's bin day and I was out, you know, faffing about with the bins. As I was sorting through the vast swathes of recycling in the dark, I suddenly had a thought, a vision, a portent, some might say. I stood up and said out loud to nobody, you know what? I think Sansom will be an answer on University Challenge tonight. After that, I didn't really think much of it. I put the bins out and that was that really. Later on, I settled down to watch University Challenge. When the music round came on, those hallowed words came from Jeremy Paxson that were, we're going to take a music round. You're going to hear a piece of classical music. Can you tell me the composer? And what should be the piece of music for the starter question? Dance Macabre by Camille Bloody Sanson. I nearly wet myself with excitement. I was delighted with my obvious skills of fortune telling and portent reading. So, I started making my predictions on Twitter properly in around about 2019. For the first couple of weeks, it was literally just me. Maybe getting a couple of likes and people joining in here and there. But after a while, others did start to join in. It actually didn't take that long to gain quite a following. So I invested in some winner's badges to draw people in. And by the final show this year in 2020, we had between... 85 to 100 people roughly playing weekly and joining in the silliness. And that's the history of the klaxon. So what are the rules? I get asked this quite a lot, actually. I get quite a few DMs on Twitter asking this question. Um, and also asking if it's okay to join in. The honest response is, there are no rules and anyone and everyone is welcome to join in. At least people are polite, I suppose. The general settled rules are that you predict three possible answers to the show that evening. With a possible bonus answer if you like. Some people choose to forego the bonus answer. Others throw in a sneaky extra guess and generally nobody notices. Um, But I think the most important rule is not to take it too seriously and enjoy the challenge of predicting answers on one of the hardest quiz shows ever put on telly. There are a few regular players each week and I am absolutely delighted to have my first guest joining me today. She is one of the regular players and definitely a rule bender. We will start with the blind date section. What is your name and where do you come from? My name's Rachel, Rachel Rossiter, and I'm from Suffolk, Suffolk born and bred. Are you, I, do you know what, that was going to be my next question, actually, is 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 that where you're from? So there we are. Yeah, I've, I've lived um, in other places for short times, including Australia for a couple of years. We lived in Melbourne and oh, London, wow. but still not fit, Suffolk. You're, you're, you're a bit of a homebird, are you? Bit of a homegirl, yeah. Nice. Um, which universe, I, I put which university, but which university or universities are you alumni of? Anglia Ruskin. I don't think they've appeared. I don't think they've appeared on the challenge. <laughs> I, I I don't remember seeing them. No. <laughs> what do you do for a living? What I do now for a living is completely different than what I was doing, say, in March. Really? Yeah, due to our um, current very unusual circumstances. But I am an assistant head teacher and a senko oh, in a uh, 9 to 13 all through school. Marvellous. Um, for those people who are not, for, for those people who are not teachers, could you explain what a SENCO is? So, a special educational needs coordinator 
and the general tenet of the code of practice is to ensure that all teachers are teachers of children with SEN. So my role is, I see it mostly to inform, to upskill, to support all teachers with teaching of children with learning difficulties and to support the young learners and their families. So it's a, re- it's a really important role in the school, isn't it? Hugely important and I'm and, um, on the senior leadership team and I think that's vital. Amazing. Okay, so the reason you're here is because you've been playing the University Challenge Klaxon, which we play on a Monday night over on Twitter. Why did you start playing? We've always loved University Challenge as a family and um, we've had a game that's been going for quite a while. Mr. Rossiter and I have been married for about 30 years, so we like to spice it up a bit. So, one, <laughs> so, you, so you spice it up with some University Challenge. One of our <laughs> um, it's our Monday night game that came just before the Claxon. So we play the Claxon plus our little game, which um, entails hiding up in the hall. We take it in turns to hide up in the hall and listen to the television. And then we have to describe the contestants as they introduce themselves. <laughs> and how... So how... <laughs> Well, you can either hide up in the hall or put a cushion over your face, but you're not allowed to cheat. <laughs> and how often do you get them right? Well, that's, that's quite amazing, actually. Um, so we get points for if you get a beard or glasses. Okay, you've got. Have you, have you got a point yeah, system, have you? Or the, the hair colour. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Mr. R is quite accurate sometimes. He can say, you know, I think he looks a bit like Mr. Bailey, my old science teacher, and take the cushion away from He's got it spot on, yeah. So <laughs> we played that little game. <laughs> so the claxon just sort of led on from there, really. So it's, it's, it's like a, a whole rounded Monday evening then for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> keeps me going on a Monday morning when I wake up through the winter. <laughs> I've got um, University Challenge claxon and our own little roster game. For a Monday. It, it does make a Monday a little bit better, doesn't it? I think. Yeah. And I think Paul Cornish said in our um, Twitter feed that he's feeling really low on a Monday night because he misses it so much. And I think there's several people feeling exactly the same. Cause yeah, it, there's, it, there's um, a lot of community around it, isn't there? It's, um... Huge. I was looking back, actually, to when we started, um, we've had a bit of a conversation about this earlier, and we went back as early as July 2019. Yeah. And then you first started the Klax in August and you had about two or three respondents. Yeah. Two or three people took part back in August 2019, and there's hundreds now, isn't it? And there's a real sense of community. Yeah, it's it's and it's a lot of fun, and and it does it breaks up that that kind of Monday blues, doesn't it? When you've got something to look forward to. Absolutely, yeah. And Amazing. the amount of banter and um, yeah, we'll come to that shortly. So yeah, what um, what makes you keep coming back then? Because you you play out, you play every single week. So what makes yeah, you keep I've been there back? right from the get go. It's my sense. My competitive nature. Um, <laughs> I started off very, very early on yeah. with Rimsky Korsakoff as <laughs> answer, and I've stuck to my guns throughout. But he's never come up. Do you so, know what? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't come up, considering yeah. how relatively famous and well known he is. I'm amazed he hasn't come up yet. Yeah, exactly that. So he's going to. <laughs> so the he's got my stop. He's bound to come up. So I get really fed up, though. I keep recommending the klaxon to friends and they join in. And then they come up with really easy answers like Beethoven, which comes up and thinks, you know, and I get really, really cross. <laughs> I, might have so, to, I might have to ban yeah, Beethoven. Beethoven's a, he wins too often. I know. And numbers. I mean, 
there's no skill in saying four. <laughs> but there obviously is. You know, it's, it's obviously a well considered number. Well, four and Beethoven and Mozart. And Ming, <laughs> Ming comes up every week. They're easy, but Rimsky Korsakoff, there's skill in getting there, that. There is a bit of skill in that. And I think when it comes up, it's, it's going to be an absolutely sublime moment, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. So I invite lots of friends who have won badges, including my head teacher, Steve Palmer, who's decided yeah. that he wants to flaunt his badge at me. Um, <laughs> and it just reminds me of being at a, a disco as a teenager where you invite your friends to a party and they all get off with all the good-looking lads <laughs> And then you're left behind. Yeah. <laughs> but I will. I will win that badge one week. <laughs> you will. There will be a badge in the post for you at some point. <laughs> What's been your most memorable moment playing the klaxon? I think when you asked me to host the klaxon on the 17th of February, because you had a wedding. And I, I did. I had a wedding to go to. And that was memorable because I didn't realise what hard work it is. <laughs> it's it's crazy, isn't it? hard work to it's, keep up. It's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Trying to, trying to yeah, just keep track of answers. Yeah, absolutely. So that was hard work. I just gave up and trusted people would be honest. And you won that week. I, you were I, I did, amazingly. Not, not with the most difficult of answers. Anyone can come up with a number five, which you did. <laughs> five, no, five uh, being being a prime number is, a, is an absolutely perfect candidate as, a, as, a, as an answer on the klaxon. So, so you came up with five that week. Um, Ben at Mr. BW, I liked his answers that week. He gets the award for the most creative artist. He had Burundi, <laughs> Solomon Burundi, and Ted Bundy. So I quite enjoyed those. I do like it when when people have a, a good link between their answers. I do like a uh, a good set of linkage. I've um I've been cheating up until that point as well. I've been putting in four answers plus a bonus, and nobody ever noticed. And then I got told off uh, by Vicky regulars <laughs> so i had to explain which set of rules that we were playing that particular season i can't remember andy what rules are we on this season i can't remember what rules run at all to be honest with you the rules change every single week you know it doesn't yeah. really matter as long as as long as people are putting something in it you know and and there are yeah. a couple of subtle changes you, you notice that one or two other people will put like two bonus answers or they'll put those subtle little extras in there just to to, to get a bit ahead but it doesn't always work yeah. out, does it? No, I've, I've been doing subtle li- little extras all season and. Um, <laughs> still haven't won. I still don't have a badge. <laughs> It'll happen, I promise it will happen. So, apart from University Challenge, what is your. Do you have any other favourite quiz shows that you watch? Well, I watch Connections. Okay. But I can't get any of those ever. And I got one once and I thought that was the best thing ever. <laughs> but that's so difficult, isn't it? They, they they are very hard it, un, unless you know exactly what it is that you're looking at. They're very very difficult. The title of the podcast is the title of the podcast is enjoyably futile, as someone described the game that we play. Because it is enjoyable, but actually, as you've seen, it is sometimes a futile thing trying to win one of those badges. Um, can you think of anything else in the world? Any activities that you might do which are enjoyably futile? Yeah, the jigsaw that I've got on this dining table here next. <laughs> what 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 is the jigsaw? Bloody thing! I've been doing it since March, <laughs> and it's just bunches of colours and abstracts. But I am really the world's most <laughs> at jigsaws. So Miss D Cox, who's another good friend on Twitter, we we have um. We go on a little um, geek fest every year when we break up in July. 
And she is not a homing pigeon. She's got the most amazing spatial awareness. When we go out in the evenings, I get lost immediately, but yeah. Dawn directs me there. So we've she can do jigsaw puzzles. Like this has taken me since March. She'd have it done in two days. So I think it's <laughs> a huge, huge research project to be had between correlation between spatial awareness and, and, and jigsaws. Do you know what? I, I was thinking about this and something I thought that was enjoyably futile was playing chess with a grandmaster because yes. I, I enjoy a game of chess. I love playing chess. But you know what? It's, it's playing chess against someone whose life is chess. You know you're never, ever, ever going to win that, are you? But you just might. But you, well, there's a possibility. It might be an absolute fluke and how good would that be? <laughs> Which is pretty much exactly what the, the klaxon embodies, isn't it? Is Sometimes it is just a pure fluke isn't it now it wouldn't be a quiz show without some sort of quiz so i've oh, created no. a brand new game for you you're the my first victim i knew you, would. <laughs> I knew you would. and it's got a brilliant title it's called the impossibly difficult question game i probably need to work mm -hmm. on the title to be honest with you but it, it does the job for now so here's the rules the rules are really simple you'll have 60 seconds and i've got a timer to try and answer as many impossibly difficult questions as you can Okay, all questions, I say all questions, not all questions, but most questions are university challenge related. Not that that will actually help you, of course. Um, there are no passes. You're not allowed to say pass. Um, there's either just right or wrong answers. Okay, so you have to give me an answer. You're not allowed to pass. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> the highest score at the end of the series. So we're looking at next March. And to be honest with you, like I said, if anyone gets one, I'll be impressed. Uh, the highest score at the end of the series wins something that I haven't actually decided yet, so we'll have to see what happens there. Do you understand the rules? I do, but can you just reiterate there that you don't expect there's going to be a score above oh, one? Absolutely not. No. I like, like if, if you get any of these correct, I will be amazed. That, that, that the purpose is, is the, the impossibly difficult quiz. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got eight questions for okay. you. Okay. But you've only got 60 seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, your 60 seconds starts now. How many episodes were there in the 2015-16 series of University Challenge? 38. That's incorrect. It was 37. <laughs> no way! No Close. Way. Okay. What year was voice announcer Roger Tilling born? He was born in 1942. <laughs> he was not. It was 1971. Okay, it's close. Uh, when did Jeremy Paxman take over as presenter of University Challenge? 2003. No, it was 1994, apparently. So it was a lot okay. later, earlier than thought. Okay, by how many points did the University of Warwick beat Manchester by in the 2007 final? 64. No, it was 30. <laughs> Who presented the trophy to the 1995 winners? Stephen Hawking. It was not. It was Bamba Gascoigne. I've got time for one more question. Which university would you find a coordinates 54 degrees, 45 minutes, 53.7 seconds north and 1 degree, 34 minutes, 41.6 seconds west? Nottingham. It's not. It is Durham University. <laughs> you scored a grand total of zero. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a half though for getting 38. Is that mistake? No, 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 you, no, you you have to get it right. To be fair, that was okay. that was that was very close. I was impressed you got it that close.
even though you got a score of nothing, you are still top of the leaderboard at the moment, which is excellent. That's fantastic. <laughs> the episode of this first podcast is Rimsky Korsakov. Um, now, normally I would ask the guests to choose their own title, but obviously I kind of strong-armed you into Rimsky Korsakov because he's, okay. he's been a regular of your answers for the past year, um, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, but he did let us down last series. He didn't show up at all. For the sake of making this podcast marginally educational, we've decided to research some facts about Mr. Rimsky Korsakov. <laughs> Haven't we? <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> and uh, we've, we've come to the conclusion... It took me ages, Andy. <laughs> we've, we've come to the conclusion that he was massively boring. Funny. Well, I found a little bit... Because <laughs> <laughs> I googled. Well, I, I googled. And... and one of the most important things I came up with was that he had a mightily impressive beard. Okay. Well, he was, um, yeah, because Googling is a 21st century skill, so we can find out lots on the internet. So what if I find out? Rimsky Korsakov, amazingly, his name wasn't Rimsky. It was Nikolai, and Rimsky's part of his, part of his surname. <laughs> is, is that something that you've learned, is it? <laughs> So you've been you've been put hyphen. <laughs> so all those people used to call him Rimsky unless they unless he'd given permission to be called by his surname. It's rude. He was called Nikolai. Yeah, his first. So he, was, he was he was born on the eighteenth of March, eighteen forty four, actually in Cleethorpes. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he was born in Cleethorpes, which is a little known fact. And both his parents were miners. <laughs> My, miner, God, miners is in people that dig in the ground or miners is in they, they were under the age where they should be in having yes, children. Yes, yeah, we'll add that as well. It makes it more interesting. They were very, very young parents that <laughs> dug in the ground. And little is known of his childhood, but he first found love of music when he got a part-time job in Woolworths. Okay. At Cleethorpes. <laughs> and he began to tinker around on the Casio keyboards and... <laughs> That's where he got the inspiration for his famous um, Easter Festival Overture. <laughs> and it was around this time, he calls it the blue period, yep. that he began to consider his identity. <laughs> and it was at this time that he actually came out as Russian. <laughs> that's that's a, big, a big thing to admit to being, isn't it? Huge. Admitting, so he, admitting to being Russian. He, he, he told his family... <laughs> And his parents. And he left Cleethorpes and went to Russia. Right, okay. Was he, was he following his, his, his heritage, was he? He was following his heart. <laughs> so he, um, yeah, he, he moved to Russia and wrote a load of music. Which, which is he, massively famous. <laughs> yeah, so famous. He comes up every week on the other So famous. So, he's, he's so niche. Yeah. He comes up so, um, once every three series of University Challenge. Yeah, so he—he's quite an incredible character, really. So I, I shall continue to have um, Rimsky as my bonus every week. As an as an extra bonus. Now, one of the things I found out was um, apparently he taught um, Stravinsky, and Stravinsky has been one of my regular answers. So that was quite a nice little link there. That I thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then I discovered he was part of the Mighty Five, which is surrounded by you know. Um, inverted commas 
But that kind of makes him sound like a classic Western film. Yeah, or an Blighton character. <laughs> an Aiden Blighton character, or some sort of obscure niche Japanese anime comic series, The Mighty Five. I've got one more game for you. This one isn't. Um, this one isn't a, an ongoing challenge. I thought I'd just see how you get on with this one. So this game is called Song Titles in Latin. So this game is a variation of a university challenge style question where the players have to work out a poem or some other text or something like that from a first line, which has been translated into a different language. I'm going to give you five generally well-known song titles in Latin, and I want you to work out what they are in English. These have been haphazardly translated online, so I apologize to any Latin scholars out there that might be listening to this, but I've literally just gone into Google Translate and uh, seen what happens. Okay. Okay. So the first one for you to have a go at is it's this. Lado me plus infantem unem tempus. Lado me plus n. Infantem unem tempus. Something one more time. Oh. Isn't it? Give it to me one more time. Oh, close, close, close. Um, lay it on me one more time. <laughs> no, think, think Britney. Give no, me one more time. <laughs> think Britney Spears. Oh, hit me, baby. Hit me, baby, one more time. Yes, hit me, baby, one more time. That was very well worked out. Excellent. Are you a a scholar of the Latin? Not at all. (laughs) Or are you just typing them into Google Translate there? No, no, no. I've actually shocked myself. (laughs) That was impressive. Okay, what about this next one? Um, This next one is Vox Silentii. Vox silenti. Yeah, vox silenti. Quiet. Or sort of. There's something to do with, with being quiet, yeah. It's a Simon and Garfunkel song. Oh, the sound of silence. It's the sound of silence, yeah. Yeah, vox, sound of silence, yeah. Okay, the next one is Ego in corde meo vadam. Ego in corde meo vadam. Is it to do with salad cream? <laughs> I wish there, I wish there was a song to do with salad cream. I mean, my pronunciation of the Latin might be terrible, but... Don't give me a clue. Uh, the film Titanic. Is it My Heart Will Go On? It is My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> I've got I got two more. Here we go. So we've got... This next one is just one word. This is mm-hmm. Caerulium. Would you like a clue? No, don't do you want a clue? Yeah, go on, clue. It's a colour. Oh, yellow. Nope. It is not. It is a, a a terrible but brilliant song dance track from the nineties. Blue. It's blue. <laughs> blue. 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 It's quite a nice word, that actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> now this one you should get pretty much straight away because the first word gives it away. The next, last one oh, is. Don't say that because then I'll look daft if I don't. Oh no, the last one. The last one is pretty obvious. It's California Somniantis. California dreaming. It Somni. Is California. Sleep. Dreaming because so, uh, somniant, some or somnambulance is sleepwalking, isn't it? I believe it is indeed. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, I've run out of things to ask you, so I've really enjoyed it. Thank <laughs> you for asking to be the first guest on the it's university. It's been good time. fun. Thank you so much for joining me this episode. Will you come back? Um, will you come back again once the series starts properly so we can talk about the, the actual show that's been on? Yes, absolutely. And I hope that we can get um, perhaps Bobby Seagull and and Brandon to join us. I, That's my... I'm hoping, I'm, I'm going to start pushing over the next uh, couple of months and maybe try and get some of the past players involved because it'd be a lot of fun. But it's been really, really lovely to speak to you. 
Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. But thank you. Um, and how do you feel about being another guest host uh, in the next series? Because I was pl- I was thinking about asking more people to have a go at hosting the show rather than myself each week. So how would you feel about that? It would be an absolute pleasure. Oh, amazing. It would be an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Andy. No, thank you. It was lo- really, really lovely to speak to you today. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of many. You just keep us going on a Monday night in those cold, bleak evenings. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's, to be honest with you, I, I'm really missing it. I'm missing that Monday... Um, just, just the, the fun of that that couple of hours from sort of half six to to sort of half nine, where people are just being silly. And to talk about something um, beyond education yeah. and yeah, because a lot a, a, a lot of people, I think, just because of the nature of our accounts on Twitter, there's a lot of people from from education who join in the game. Um, and yeah. yeah, it is really nice to just do something other than com- <laughs> complain about. <laughs> what's happening in the world of teaching at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, we could do with it now, I think. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely to see you. Lovely. Thanks ever so much. And that was my first ever guest, Rachel Rossiter. Massive thank you to her for being such a great sport, taking part in those ridiculous games that I put together. Now, normally at this point, I would talk about predictions for the next show. But since the next series hasn't started yet, I can't actually do that. So, all that's left for me to say is, thank you so much for listening to this first ever episode of the Enjoy Refused Our Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and hopefully I'll see you over on Twitter in the future for the University Challenge Classic game when, all being well, fingers crossed, it returns in the autumn if they can film it. Who knows? If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast and have a go at the Impossibly Difficult Quiz yourself, you can find me over on Twitter at Andy Keegan and let me know. See you next time. You've been listening to the Enjoyably Futile podcast written and hosted by Andrew Keegan theme tune composed by Benjamin Dolan.